This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. Good morning, I'm John Trout. It's Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. President Joe Biden's brother speaks with House lawmakers as the fallout from an arrested FBI informant leaves GOP members scrambling. I'm John Stolness in Washington. A frozen embryo is a child. That's a court decision. Lisa Dwyer has the story. Horrifying details in the killing of an 11-year-old girl in Texas. To ensure that the justice will argue. I'm Clayton Neville. President Biden is boosting cybersecurity at the nation's ports to better protect them from online attacks. Sagar Magani, Washington. Biden cancels more student loan debt. We'll have details. With interest rates rising and the government needing to finance more debt, a popular tax break may be in jeopardy. I'm Peter Shacknow. Rescuers had to spend 11 hours at Mount Washington in New Hampshire to save a stuck hiker. I'm Haya Panjwani. All ahead on America in the Morning. On the day President Biden's brother spoke with House lawmakers regarding their impeachment inquiry, there is the question of the information provided in the wake of the arrest and false information peddled by a key FBI informant. An update from Washington. Here's John Stolness. Documents released by prosecutors say Alexander Smirnov, an FBI informant whose claims Joe Biden accepted bribes in deals with his son Hunter and the Ukrainian energy company he worked for, Burisma, repeated false information given to him by top Russian intelligence officials, information then made public by House Republicans against the wishes of the FBI. GOP Congressman Ken Buck on CNN. It appears to absolutely be false and to really undercut the the nature of the charges. Chairman of the House Intelligence Committee Jim Jordan tells CNN the bureau convinced lawmakers Smirnov's information was accurate. The FBI told us that this source was so 14 years this source was a paid source by the FBI. When we when we were trying to get the 1023, they told us, oh, this could jeopardize national security, the safety of this source, didn't want to release it, and now they're saying, oh, he, he, he gave false information. However, Congressman Buck disputes that claim, saying his colleagues knew the information was not verified. We were warned at the time that we received the uh, document uh, outlining this witness's testimony. We were warned that uh, the credibility of this statement was, was not known, and yet uh, people uh, my colleagues went out and, and talked to the public about how this was credible and how it was damning. Republicans like House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer have since downplayed the influence Smirnov's information has had in their impeachment inquiry of the president, telling Newsmax last night. At the end of the day, he wasn't an important part of this investigation because I didn't even know who he was. Meanwhile, the president's brother, James Biden, testified yesterday Joe Biden never had any involvement in business dealings with other members of his family. The top-ranking Democrat on the Oversight Committee, Jamie Raskin, says it's time for the impeachment inquiry to end. Fold up the tent uh, to this circus show. It's really over at this point. Prosecutors are asking a judge to have Smirnov placed in jail as he awaits trial, saying he's a flight risk with ties to top-ranking Russian intelligence officials and worries he could help Russia improperly influence the 2024 presidential election more than he already has. John Stolness, Washington. A large Alabama hospital has paused in vitro fertilization treatments as healthcare providers weigh the impact of a state court ruling that frozen embryos are the legal equivalent of children. As correspondent Lisa Dwyer reports, the decision could have far-reaching effects inside and outside of Alabama. 
the University of Alabama Birmingham announced that its UAB Division of Reproductive Endocrinology and Infertility has paused the treatments as it evaluates Alabama's Supreme Court decision. The ruling involves wrongful death cases brought by couples who had frozen embryos destroyed in an accident at a fertility clinic. The ruling by the all-Republican Alabama Supreme Court prompted a wave of concern about the future of IVF treatments in the state. Patients called clinics to see if scheduled IVF treatments would continue as providers are consulting with attorneys. I'm Lisa Dwyer. More details are being learned about the abduction and killing of an 11-year-old girl in Texas. Following the investigation is our correspondent Clayton Neville. Court documents revealing more information about the killing of 11-year-old Andre Cunningham, her alleged killer, 42-year-old Don Stephen McDougall, behind bars, now officially charged with capital murder. The small southeast Texas community of Livingston outside Houston devastated as neighbors wrap arms around each other. An outpouring of love from all of our law enforcement partners. My heart aches with this news, and I express with my deepest sympathies and condolences to everyone who knew who cared for and loved Audrey. Polk County Sheriff Byron Lyons says the case is still being investigated. The Sheriff's Office, we will continue to process the evidence that has been gathered to ensure that the justice for Audrey. But court documents shed more light on what happened to Audrey Cunningham. Her body was found in the Trinity River after authorities had the water lowered to help her in their search. Audrey's body found tied around a large rock. Records say the rope used was consistent with the rope that was observed in McDougal's vehicle on a recent traffic stop. I understand that this is a very difficult time for Audrey's family and for our community. The substantial law enforcement resources that were marshaled by the sheriff lines, I think should show you that this county and law enforcement, they will come out when they need to, to protect our children. And the assets that we have been made available to Polk County to protect our children have been substantial. McDougal was a friend of the girl's family. He reportedly was supposed to take her to the bus stop that day she went missing. She never showed up there. Her body found in the river days later. I'm Clayton Neville. White House response to increasing cyber attack threats. We'll have that story when America in the Morning continues after these messages. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.
Welcome back. You're with America in the morning. Rain will mix with snow in the Northeast today. AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy has the Thursday forecast. An area of low pressure developing in the Central Plains will be the instrument for most of the precipitation across the United States today. This system will spread rain and even a rumble of thunder first thing this morning through the Southern Great Lakes and build into New York and Pennsylvania this afternoon, then continuing to expand into New England tonight. Most areas will see rain throughout the day, but enough cold air will be in place for some higher elevations in northeast Pennsylvania and southeast New York for some heavier wet snow to mix in with the rain. As the storm continues northeastward tonight, colder air will increasingly favor snow in central and northern New England, and this could lead to a few slushy inches by Friday morning. The cold front associated with the same low pressure will cause some showers and thunderstorms through the Ohio Valley and then continuing south route through Tennessee into northern Mississippi and Alabama this afternoon. This area will continue to spread eastward tonight into Virginia, southward to northern Georgia. In the wake of this system, there will be plenty of sunshine through the central and northern plains, and afternoon temperatures will once again soar well above historical average, in some places by as much as 20 to 25 degrees. Even in the central and southern plains, temperatures will be 10 to 20 degrees above average. In the west, we're finally seeing a recent period of heavy rain coming to an end along the coast. There will still be some lingering showers of rain and snow across portions of western Washington and Oregon, with snow showers in the Cascades. Farther inland, there will be some showers of rain and snow through central and northern Rockies, but little, if any, accumulation. And that's the weather across America. Nashville, Tennessee will have a fairly cloudy day with an afternoon thunderstorm and a high of 61. Albuquerque, New Mexico will see plenty of sunshine and a high of 59. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. I'm John Trout. Remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. President Biden signed an executive order to shore up vulnerabilities and boost security at the nation's ports over concerns of potential cyber attacks. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports. President Biden is boosting cybersecurity at the nation's ports to better protect them from online attacks. The White House says cyber attacks can cause as much, if not more, damage to ports than storms or other physical threats. The new requirements are part of a federal focus on modernizing protections of critical infrastructure like power grids and pipelines, which are increasingly managed and controlled online and often remotely. The president signed an executive order creating cybersecurity regulations with which port operators must comply. They include notifying authorities if they've been hit by a cyber attack. Sagar Magani, Washington. President Biden traveled to Los Angeles on a campaign stop and announced he's forgiving a total of $1.2 billion in student debt. The White House will be sending out emails to the nearly 153,000 people who will see their loans forgiven. This latest round of loan forgiveness is part of the Biden administration's SAVE plan, which allows borrowers of under $12,000 to have their loans finalized in 10 years, and more than 4 million people have income so low that they qualify for a $0 monthly payment. Will the rest of the airline industry raise baggage fees? We'll have a look when America in the Morning continues after these messages.
America in the Morning continues. More pink slips are being handed out this week, citing slow EV sales. Electric automaker Rivian announced they'll part ways with 10% of their workforce and said it will cut production back to last year's levels. Digital media company BuzzFeed says they'll begin a restructuring that includes cutting 16% of their employees. Global shipper UPS will eliminate a full shift of employees at a packaging sorting hub in Pennsylvania, which comes on the heels of slicing more than 11,000 jobs worldwide. The cuts come after the Labor Department reported that employers added 353,000 jobs last month. Interest rates, such as they are, not helping the situation. CNBC's Peter Schacknell has that in Thursday Business. Higher interest rates impact a wide swath of the economy, from homeowners to car buyers to the government as it finances the nation's debt. And although Fed officials have now indicated rates have probably peaked, they're worried enough about inflation that rates may stay higher for longer. It's the government's reliance on higher interest debt that could put your 401k in danger. Allison Schrager, senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute think tank, predicts that the 401k, or at least the tax breaks associated with it, could disappear within a decade. As we're looking more to revenue, particularly in the next 10 years when we start having to pay more for entitlements, it just seems like an obvious place to start, I think, for a lot of people. I'm a little honestly more skeptical. There are still things I like about the 401k, mainly the penalty that keeps people withdrawing. But um, there's certainly, I'm seeing a movement on the left and the right to say, you know, what are we doing this for? We need revenue. This is a good place to start. We'll see how those ongoing higher interest rates are impacting the housing market, with the National Association of Realtors set to release January existing home sales this morning at 10 Eastern time. With mortgage rates now back over 7 percent, many potential buyers are reluctant to take on more expensive mortgages. And CNBC's Diana Olick says refinancing activity has also taken a hit in recent days. Applications to refinance dropped 11 percent last week compared with the previous week and were just 0.1 percent higher than the same week a year ago. One year ago, the 30-year fix was 6.62 percent refi volume had been running higher than year ago levels, even with rates higher this year. But the latest jump in rates clearly made a refinance just not worth it for most borrowers. In the day ahead, we'll see how NVIDIA's latest earnings impact market sentiment. The chipmaker beat on the top and bottom lines and issued an upbeat forecast. Peter, American Airlines decided to raise baggage fees. Is that something we'll see across the airline industry? Well, maybe, but maybe not. Okay. First and foremost, airlines are dealing with a slowdown in business, according to former United Airlines CEO Oscar Munoz. The lull is mostly in what we call the leisure market. While there's some you know, travel for spring break and such that are upcoming, uh, there's just a little quiet period after the end of the year. So it's seasonal in that regard. Uh, business travel continues to increase slightly, but again, a lot less than it used to be. So you know, the, the, the industry is facing this revenue issue, and they're trying to figure out you know, better and better ways to attract customers to travel and travel more frequently. But higher baggage fees may be an outlier in the effort to raise revenue. Munoz says ultimately, airlines will focus on ways that are optional but attractive to the consumer, such as paying for roomier seats or incentivizing customers to buy tickets directly from an airline's own website, rather than through one of the popular travel providers like Expedia, Orbitz, or Kayak. CNBC's Peter Schack now. When we return, trial of the armorer on the Rust movie set. That and more when America in the Morning continues after these messages. America in the Morning continues. 
A jury is being sworn in for the trial of the armorer who loaded the gun in the fatal 2021 shooting by Alec Baldwin on the set of the movie Rust. Julie Walker is following proceedings. More than two years after cinematographer Helena Hutchins was fatally shot on the set of Rust by actor Alec Baldwin and the film's director Joel Souza wounded, jury selection begins for the movie's weapons supervisor, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. Prosecutors in New Mexico say Gutierrez-Reed unwittingly introduced live ammunition to the set in a series of negligent actions. Her attorneys argue she isn't to blame. The potential evidence and testimony has implications for Baldwin, who's charged in a separate case with involuntary manslaughter. I'm Julie Walker. Trapped on New Hampshire's Mount Washington for hours, facing below freezing temperatures and 90-mile-per-hour winds, rescuers battled the elements in an attempt to save a hiker, correspondent Haya Panjwani reports. While hiking down Mount Washington through heavy winds, Cole Mathis hit a patch of snow-covered ice and slid down hundreds of feet down a ravine. That led to a rescue mission that lasted 11 hours and left him with a lower leg injury and frostbite. One of the rescuers, Levi Fry, explains why the rescue took that long. The severity of the conditions uh, made navigation to the hiker extremely slow. It was very difficult to see. Uh, any uh, even between the what are known as the car, uh, carns, which are uh, how you navigate down a lot of these trails, so you know you're staying on them. Fry recommends that if anyone plans to hike Mount Washington, they should have the proper winter gear and be prepared for bad weather. I'm Haya Panjwani. America in the Morning for Thursday, February 22nd, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay, senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour. The implications of a recent Supreme Court ruling in Alabama. I'm Clayton Neville. Lawyers for the United States are saying that WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange should face spying charges. I'm Haya Panjwani. The White House is exploring options President Biden could deploy to enact a crackdown at the southern border. And Thomas Washington. New York's Attorney General Letitia James is ready to seize former President Donald Trump's assets. I'm Sue Allen. The earth collapses, a child dies. Lisa Dwyer has that story. Policeman charged in shooting of a teenager, Jennifer King reports. Beyonce has gone all in to top the country music charts. I'm Kevin Carr. Back after these messages. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. The Thursday forecast, rains subside in the west. With more, here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. In the west, we are finally seeing the recent period of very heavy rain come to an end along the coast. There will still be some lingering rain and snow showers through portions of western Washington and Oregon with snow showers in the Cascades. Farther inland, there'll be some rain and snow showers through the central and northern Rockies, but little, if any, accumulation. From Southern California in Arizona and New Mexico, we'll have plenty of sunshine and afternoon temperatures will be near their historical average. Meanwhile, an area of low pressure developing in the central plains this morning will be the main system across the United States for precipitation today and tonight. This system will spread rain and even a rumble of thunder first thing this morning through southern Great Lakes and building into New York and Pennsylvania this afternoon, then expanding into New England tonight. Most areas will see rain throughout the day, but enough cold air will be in place for some higher elevations in 
the northeast Pennsylvania area into southeast New York for some heavier wet snow to mix in with the rain. As the storm continues northeastward tonight, cold air will increasingly favor snow through central and northern New England, and this could lead to a few slushy inches by Friday morning. The cold front associated with this same low pressure will also cause some showers and thunderstorms through the Ohio Valley and continuing southward through Tennessee into northern Mississippi and Alabama this afternoon. This area will continue eastward tonight through Virginia, southward to northern Georgia. In the wake of the system, there will be plenty of sunshine through the central and northern plains, and afternoon temperatures will once again soar well above their historical average, in some places by as much as 20 to 25 degrees. Even in the central and southern plains, temperatures will be about 10 to 20 degrees above average. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. I'm John Trout. Remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. The impacts of a recent state Supreme Court decision in Alabama surrounding in vitro fertilization are now playing out in the state's largest hospital. Correspondent Clayton Neville reports Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley spoke with NBC News on the topic. The Alabama Supreme Court recently ruled that frozen embryos created through in vitro fertilization are children, human life. In the days following that ruling, medical providers began limiting IVF treatments unclear of where they stand legally. About 2% of births a year in the U.S. involve IVF. That's multiple eggs being harvested, fertilized, and then implanted to create a pregnancy. The University of Alabama-Birmingham paused the treatments this week as officials evaluate their options. The Supreme Court ruling essentially making doctors subject to legislation related to the wrongful death of a minor if destroyed. CBS's Evening News spoke with concerned medical professionals in Alabama. How can we help our patients if we are going to be threatened with jail time or fines or crimes uh, for just doing our best to take care of our patients. Ultimately, we're worried that there's going to be fewer babies born in Alabama because of this ruling. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley speaking out about the Alabama ruling. She had her son through artificial insemination. This is one where we need to be incredibly respectful and sensitive about it. I know that when my doctor came in, we knew what was possible and what wasn't. We also took precautions of how this was going to go and how it wasn't. So we knew before we went in yeah. exactly what we were looking at. Every woman needs to know with her partner what she's looking at. And then when you look at that, then you make the decisions that's best for your family. She said legislation surrounding the protection of embryos should be considered. What they're talking about, those that were viable versus those that are not, how they're treating that, how they're talking about that language. Those are all sensitive subjects where the details matter. And we need to look at the details and we need to see where that is. Haley said to her, embryos or babies. I'm Clayton Neville. Calling it an attack on the truth, the wife of Julian Assange wants a British court that has now heard her husband's final appeal to block the extradition of the WikiLeaks founder to the U.S. where he would face espionage charges. Correspondent Haya Panjwani reports an extradition decision is not expected to immediately be made. They are liars, they are criminals, and they are persecuting the journalists who expose them. And this case remains a stain, a stain on the US, a stain on the UK, and both governments should be absolutely ashamed of it and, and what they're doing to press freedom. 
Assange is up for 17 espionage charges and one computer misuse charge because he put innocent lives at risk in an attempt to solicit, steal, and indiscriminately publish classified government documents. He published the documents on his site, WikiLeaks, in 2010 and 2011. Andrew Wilkie, an Australian member of parliament, called for his release from jail at a rally on Wednesday. Regardless of what you think of Julian, this matter must be brought to an end. The extradition must be dropped. The charges must be dropped. He must be busted out of Belmarsh. He must be allowed to be reunited with his family. Assange's lawyers say he could face up to 175 years in prison if convicted, though American authorities have said the sentence is likely to be much shorter. M. Hayapanjwani. Following two deadly plane crashes, and in January, the door of a passenger jet blowing out mid-flight, Boeing has removed the head of their 737 MAX program. Correspondent Sagar Magani has the story. Boeing says its 737 jetliner program head is leaving, allowing the company to name new leadership at the troubled division. Ed Clark's departure comes weeks after the panel blowout on a Boeing 737 MAX 9. Accident investigators said bolts that helped secure the panel to the plane's frame were missing. FAA Administrator Mike Whitaker had then criticized the company for not paying enough attention to safety. Boeing says its executive chain are part of an enhanced focus on both safety and quality. Sagar Magani, Washington. President Biden is weighing invoking executive authority to stage a border crackdown ahead of the 2024 election. As correspondent Ben Thomas reports, a possible action could include restrictions on a migrant's ability to seek asylum, a former Trump-era policy. The White House is exploring options President Biden could deploy without congressional approval to enact a crackdown at the southern border. Three people familiar with the deliberations say the administration is considering using provisions of federal immigration law that former President Trump repeatedly used, specifically a section of the Immigration and Nationality Act, which gives a president broad leeway to block entry of certain immigrants if it would be detrimental to the national interest. It could be used in a variety of ways, including having the ban kick in when illegal border crossings hit a certain number. That echoes a provision in the Senate border deal that Republicans ultimately rejected, which would have put the threshold at 5,000 daily for a five-day average. Ben Thomas, Washington. Trump's New York properties at risk of being seized by the government. Plus, crypto firm sues the SEC. Those stories and more when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Back now on America in the Morning. I'm John Trout. Attorneys for former President Donald Trump have requested a 30-day extension on the time frame to pay a $355 million business fraud verdict levied against the former president. As Sue Aller reports from New York, the state's attorney general says she'll be seizing the president's Big Apple properties if he does not comply with the court's order. Pay up or action will be taken. New York's Attorney General Letitia James is ready to seize former President Donald Trump's assets, including Trump Towers. He is unable to pay the $354 million fine from his civil fraud case. James spoke to ABC News. If he does not have funds uh, to pay off the judgment, uh, then we will seek uh, you know, judgment enforcement mechanisms in court. 
and we will ask the judge to seize his assets. Trump was ordered to pay after a judgment ruled that he falsely inflated his net worth in order to get more favorable loan terms. Uh, it's a ridiculous award. This is a fine of $355 million for doing a perfect job, for having paid back a loan with no defaults, with no problems. Trump's lawyers are denying any wrongdoing and have said they will appeal the ruling. James says financial fraud is not a victimless crime. He engaged in this massive amount of fraud, and it wasn't just a simple mistake, a slight oversight. The variations were wildly exaggerated, and the extent of the fraud was staggering. In New York, I'm Sue Aller. Tragedy on a South Florida beach when a seven-year-old girl dies after a hole she and her little brother were digging collapses, swallowing her and her nine-year-old brother. Lisa Dwyer has details. And they're saying right now there's a little girl buried in the sand. The father started yelling for help, but his child is caught in a hole in the sand. They were digging. Emergency crews responded around 3 p.m. Tuesday to Lauderdale-by-the-Sea and found the boy who was about eight years old buried up to his chest in sand. The girl, about seven years old, was completely buried underneath the boy. In an interview with WSVN-TV, David Davies says he witnessed the rescue attempt. At that point, his head was above the sand, but I guess his sister was beside him and she was down further and they tried um, digging her out, but the more they dug, dug, the more the sand collapsed. They tried putting boards to try and keep the sand from falling in, but she was down for quite a while. The girl was pronounced dead at the hospital. The boy in stable condition. I'm Lisa Dwyer. A trial is getting underway in Connecticut involving a state police officer who reportedly shot and killed a teenager who was driving his car in a residential neighborhood. Correspondent Jennifer King reports. Jury selection begins in Milford, Connecticut, in the trial of Brian North, a state trooper who fatally shot a 19-year-old black man, Mubarak Suleiman, firing seven shots into his stopped car in 2020. North has pleaded not guilty to first-degree manslaughter with a firearm. Suleiman had stolen a ride-sharing car and led officers on a high-speed chase on January 15th of 2020. North told investigators he fired into the driver's window because Suleiman threatened other officers outside the car with a knife. But the state inspector general's office concluded the shooting was not just and that the officers were not in any imminent danger. The family's attorney described the shooting as an execution and says after four years, they are eager for the criminal trial to get underway. Suleiman's mother is suing North and other officers. The family says he had schizophrenia and that North should have tried to de-escalate instead of firing into the car. I'm Jennifer King. Prosecutors in Arizona say they won't agree right now to extradite the man accused of murdering a woman in a New York City hotel room, saying they don't trust the Manhattan district attorney. The suspect, who was arrested in Arizona and could soon face charges there for allegedly stabbing two women, is behind bars. But the Maricopa County District Attorney says she wants the man to remain in Arizona, something the New York authorities are calling political. The suspect in the case admitted to the murders in New York and is also wanted in Orlando, Florida, on a sexual assault charge where he posted bail and fled the state. America in the Morning continues. Texas has been a relatively crypto-friendly place for digital currencies, but one crypto firm is suing the SEC, saying the state has overstepped their boundaries. Chuck Palm has that in today's tech news. 
A Texas cryptocurrency company and an industry group has sued the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Fort Worth-based crypto company Legilex and the lobbying group Crypto Freedom Alliance of Texas claims that the SEC has asserted jurisdiction over the industry without a clear statutory mandate. Legilex wants to run a cryptocurrency platform called Legit.Exchange. The company formed it last year and plans to list digital assets, including those that the SEC has deemed securities in lawsuits against Coinbase and Binance. Legilex wants the court to rule that listing pre-existing tokens will not violate securities laws. Mike Warzenzak said in a statement, We wish that we were launching our business instead of filing a lawsuit, but here we are. The Crypto Freedom Alliance asked the court to block the SEC from suing its members and said that the agency's assertion of jurisdiction over digital assets has made it harder to convince Texas lawmakers to embrace sensible policies. For more tech news, visit allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. Robert Workman is in with a check of Thursday Sports. NHL last night, the Maple Leafs beat the Coyotes 6-3. Austin Matthews with two goals at the Mullet Arena in his hometown. That's numbers 50 and 51 this year in his 54th game. That makes the Scottsdale native the fastest U.S.-born player to reach the half-century mark. Fastest by any player since Mario Lemieux hit 50 in 50 games in 1996. Elsewhere, the Bruins slipped past the Oilers 6-5 in overtime. Boston blew a three-goal lead, but Charlie McAvoy saved their bacon. Blue Jackets squandered a four-goal lead, but regrouped it down the Ducks 7-4. The Sabres edge the Canadians and the Flyers flip the Blackhawks. NBA returns tonight with a dozen games. College basketball last night number 7 Marquette drubbed DePaul 105-71 while number 8 Duke drilled Miami 84-55. Outside the top 10 it was a different story for the ranked teams number 12 Illinois lost at Penn State as Zach Hicks sank 3 free throws with 3 seconds left for the Nittany Lions. Number 13 Alabama needed overtime to get past number 24 Florida 16th ranked Dayton fell at George Mason. Number 17 Kentucky was upset at LSU on a buzzer beater and 22nd-ranked Colorado State tumbled at New Mexico. A day after approving a 12-team playoff for next season, college football playoff officials spent part of Wednesday's meeting discussing a 14-team setup for 2026. Details are still under discussion, but there's incentive to figure things out fast. The current television deal expires after the 2025 season. And spring training exhibition baseball begins today in Arizona. The Dodgers and the Padres in Cactus League play in Peoria. Grapefruit League action starts Saturday in Florida. That's Thursday Sports. Thank you, Robert. New hope for Alzheimer's patients. And look who's at the top of the country music charts. Those stories when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. A Colorado man has died after he was bitten by his Gila monster. Correspondent Julie Walker reports. Police in Lakewood, Colorado say 34-year-old Christopher Ward died in a hospital Friday, four days after being bitten by his pet Gila monster, which is actually spelled G-I-L-A. The death would be a rare case of someone dying from the venomous lizard's bite, if confirmed by the M.E., the Gila monster's bite can cause intense pain but are not normally deadly. In a report, Ward's girlfriend told police she heard something that didn't sound right, entered a room, saw the lizard named Winston latched onto Ward's hand. He immediately began vomiting, eventually passing out and not breathing. I'm Julie Walker. 
There's hope on the horizon when it comes to Alzheimer's disease, as scientists have found new clues mapping how it forms. Correspondent Ed Donahue explains. A large study in China tracked middle-aged and older adults for 20 years using regular brain scans, spinal taps, and other tests. People who eventually developed Alzheimer's had higher levels of an Alzheimer's-linked protein in their spinal fluid 18 years prior to diagnosis. Every few years after that, the study detected another so-called biomarker of brewing trouble. Scientists don't know exactly how Alzheimer's forms. An early sign is a sticky protein called beta amyloid, which over time builds up into brain clogging plaques. It's not enough alone to damage memory, but abnormal tau protein that forms neuron-killing tangles is one of several co-conspirators. The findings have no practical implications yet, but it offers a timeline for how these abnormalities pile up. I'm Ed Donahue. It's another music first for the Queen Bee as Beyonce has now taken the top spot on the country music charts. Kevin Carr has the story. Beyonce already wears the crown as the queen of pop. Now she's got another genre of music in her sights, and we reckon her numbers are looking mighty good. It's ain't Texas. Ain't no hold'em. On Tuesday, Billboard announced that Beyonce's single, Texas Hold'em, debuted at number one on the Hot Country Songs chart. It was released on February 11th during the Super Bowl, and it became an immediate hit. In its first four days of release, Texas Hold'em was streamed 19.2 million times with 4.8 million radio plays while selling 39,000 units. It also debuted at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. This number one position puts Beyonce in an elite club with Taylor Swift as the only two solo women to top that chart without an accompanying artist on the track. Beyonce also released her single 16 Carriages this month, which debuted at number nine on the Hot Country Singles Chart and number 38 on the Hot 100. This isn't the first time the Grammy-winning artist has dabbled in country music. Came into this world, daddy's little girl. Daddy made a soldier out of me. Back in 2016, she released the single Daddy Lessons on her sixth studio album, Lemonade. Texas Hold'em and 16 Carriages will be included on Beyonce's upcoming album, Act Two, which will be available on March 29th. I'm Kevin Carr. America in the Morning for Thursday, February 22nd, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.